Welcome to Upward Dogology, where I retrain your brain and introduce you to the world of cognitive behavioral therapy for dogs over the age of six months. In this episode, I'm switching gears. I have a special guest, Chica Curtis, owner and basically one-woman show of Cause for Paws Rescue in Puerto Morelos, Mexico. Chica is sharing her extensive experience as a rescuer of dogs and cats in a place with few resources. Rumor has it she's the oldest woman ever to be admitted to the University of Kansas Medical School. She is a pilot and a chef and owned her own bakery in Mexico. Chica is a strong and caring woman who knows no boundaries when it comes to helping animals. Hello, I'm Billy Groom, your host and successful dogologist for over two decades. As many of you know, I learned what I know from working with rescued dogs, hundreds of them over three decades. I then took what I learned, taught it to people and dogs, and then formulated upper dogology and continued to teach it to adopters, fosters, and rescuers over the last two decades. I continue to learn by visiting different rescue organizations, of which Cause for Paws is one of dozens. Joining me today as my co-host is David L. Helsell, who has seen his fair share of rescued dogs over the last 20 years, has volunteered at a spay and neuter clinic in Mexico, and has his own Maxi Mutt. Hello, David. Hello. Hello. Th- Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being our co-host. So you and I had the opportunity to visit Chica's location in Mexico. What was that like for you? It was eye-opening. Um, there were about 30 dogs there, somewhere in that range. Um, and they were all happy and healthy. Um, some were in the process of getting healthier, but they mm-hmm. were taken care of. And... Um, it was just wonderful to see. Yeah, it was uh, quite the experience. Uh, Yuri, who joined us, was a, a guy from that we had met that was visiting there from the, the States. And he asked to come along with us. And I think it was quite an eye-opener for him. He, uh, In typical Yuri style, he wore his scarf. And uh, yeah. the dogs decided to steal the scarf and play with it and that was pretty funny. I have some pictures of that on my website. Yeah, you took pictures instead of helping him, and that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> we all laughed about that. Yeah, probably could have got the scarf back. And he but did get it back. Yeah, he did get it back, and the dogs were very friendly about it and very good. <laughs> so on we go. We're going to meet uh, Chica, the woman behind Cause for Paws. Hey, Chica. Hi, Billy. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm happy to be here. Yay. Thanks for inviting me. Well, you're very welcome. And how are things in Mexico these days? Very hot and <laughs> and very pandemic. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's got to be affecting the the dog situation as well, I suppose. Yes. Every rescue here is absolutely chock full. I have twice as many as I wanted to have for the summer. Um, and what and it, how, how many is that twice as many? Give, it, give us a number on that. I was hoping to have 10 to 12 to go through the summer with. I have 30 plus a mama dog and six puppies. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I have, I'm getting one more tomorrow. Oh. Oh, wow. Okay. So your fall, everyone's fall. Yeah. And it's really yeah. hot. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, uh, and you're in Puerto Morelos, which is just south of Cancun. 
yes, we're 20 minutes from the airport, which makes it easy when you're sending a dog to Canada. <laughs> right. Yay. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, that's, that's right. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later, about getting those dogs up to Canada. But first... Um, I was wondering if you could tell us, Chica, the history behind your name. Yes. The first dog, first little puppy I ever brought into the rescue was just a tiny little thing about to starve to death. It wouldn't come to anyone else. I finally rescued it, picked it up, took it to the vet the next day, and the vet said, well, this dog will probably last another week without food. So she was very critical. And I thought I would, I would home her, but nobody would take her because she was so sick. <laughs> and, and so I named her Chica. Aww. And how long ago uh, was that? That was in 2005, the year of Hurricane Wilma. Right. And how did you the, hear about that dog on the street? Like, how did that, how did that happen? How did you hear about my, the dog? My friend Martina, who has a Martina's Oasis, a massage uh, and spa therapy business, mm. uh, told me about it. And she had tried to catch the dog for two or three days and wouldn't, she couldn't catch it. And I think she was afraid of it. So she asked me to come with her. So we fed it some nasty pedigree dog food <laughs> and it ate it. And, <laughs> and it, worked. Let it worked. Yes. So, and she was such a little thing and it was before social media. So when I finally went on social media, I decided that Diane Curtis was a name that a million people have, but nobody was Chica Curtis. So that would be me. <laughs> awesome. That's, That's great. A great name. That's a great story. So uh, David and I were fortunate enough to visit uh, your rescue organization there in Puerto Morelos on our last visit. And we were really impressed. I mean, it's, you have a quite an organized setup, although it's, uh, I guess it's chaos at some points, but it's really unique because you actually live on site. Yes, I do. Sometimes I'm happy about that and sometimes it's not so <laughs> <laughs> And how did that get started? Well, I happened onto the property really by accident. A friend of mine who was very supportive and who has the jungle spa here in the area um, happened upon the information that the person who had the property was leaving and that it was available. Mm. It's a 50, 50 meter by 50 meter piece of land and it had wow. a house and a little bit of building, but not not really anything on it. Right. And, and you have different uh, um, sections that are fenced off, uh, which I guess is obviously super helpful when you're bringing in different dogs and you can, how do you divide which dogs where? I divide, the, the property is divided into six parts and I divide the dogs where they stay in by personality. Oh, that's a perfect way of doing it. That's great. Yeah. That's how people like to be divided too, right? Yes, exactly. So if there's an alpha female, she's going to go with the other dogs that are sort of alpha. And if there are others that are quieter and, and not so aggressive, they're going to go together. And they're, sometimes they're all females and sometimes they're males and females, but hmm. it's, it works. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It does. Because when we went there, I mean, David, all the dogs were mm -hmm. super friendly. Yes, for sure. They were really friendly, had really nice dispositions, as well as the quirkiness that is really fun. Yeah, with the Mexican <laughs> dogs, they certainly, 
They have their yes. own personalities, which is great. Yes, they do. And, and you really have to learn to work with the personality of the dog and with the other dogs they interact with. Because exactly. it's, not the same. it's not the same for all of them. That's so, right. And a lot of them have lived on the street for quite some time before you scoop them up. So they know how to survive. They know what works for them. Yes. They have, they have to relearn how, what works for them when they come here. Because taking them off the street, I really refer to them as wild dogs. They're dogs that don't know anything. They don't know, they're, they don't know about the house. They don't know they're always going to have water and food. They don't know anything. They just know the street. Hmm. But essentially, they do know quite a bit because they're still alive. So they, they know different, different things than other dogs would know. But they know how to think and they know how to process. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, we, so we, we use that, just teaching them different things. That's right. Like how to live in the house and to listen to me say no. <laughs> and they certainly do listen to you say no even though it's not really my technique they certainly do listen to you <laughs> and Gina, how do you the dogs end up in your care do you just get in your vehicle and go out and go i'm gonna go get some dogs never <laughs> <laughs> never a problem finding dogs <laughs> it's never a problem. I have a call almost every day of the week about a dog that, or a cat that needs help or an owner that needs help with their dog. Or it can be a variety of things. But right. usually they're by referrals. Um, right. to, to mar the dog I'm taking tomorrow came from a family that moved to Cancun and because of their circumstances were, could not keep the dog any longer. So I took the dog and found a foster for it two years ago. Mm. In the meantime, yes, in the meantime, the woman who adopted the dog while fostering it decided to move to the States. And she left the dog with her boyfriend at the time and said, oh, he loves the dog. He'll take care of it. So two years later, here we are. The boyfriend is living with a new woman who says she's sick and can't take care of the dog any longer. Would I please come and get it? And I uh, have two years later. Yeah, two years later. And I have a no I returns returns policy only. You know, if you if you adopt a dog from me and it doesn't work out for you, I'm taking the dog back. With right. Happiness. Yeah. Right. So I'm and unfortunately the area where this dog is has a lot of parvovirus right now. So I have to have the dog totally vetted as if I'm sending it out of the country to make wow. sure it's not sick before I bring it here to the property. So it's getting bathed today and blood work done and parvovirus tests done because there's so much of it in that neighborhood. And it's, I'll get it tomorrow, hopefully with clean papers. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's a process. And, and I find I work with uh, rescues from all over the world and, and, you know, this is a problem with people adopting dogs or they change or they move or, you know, it doesn't work out. And, and so it's, right. it's, it's this, a lot of, uh, and then the, the health issues are different in different areas, but yeah, it's a lot more than what people just sort of think it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. And another dog I have was brought to me by a taxi driver I know who, whose family lives next door to his owner. The owner was about to machete the dog to death because the dog had killed his chickens. 
Oh my right. gosh. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. common there. Yeah, unfortunately. And it's a young dog and it came here extremely malnourished and very skinny. And that's, I guess, why I killed the chickens, because it was hungry. <laughs> it was hungry. <laughs> Go figure, eh? Huh, let's, let's think this one through. Yeah. So he's, he's kind of a big palooka, but he's a great dog, and he's going to make a beautiful pet for someone. Oh, uh, that's great. What's his name? Max. Max. Max, that's a great name. <laughs> yeah, kind of a cross between a German Shepherd and a Great Dane. Oh, oh, that's perfect. Oh, he sounds really cool. So I will be uh, posting pictures on my uh, website and then also links on the show notes so people can find, find you and find these dogs. Okay, great. Um, what were some of the challenges when you first started or are still challenges for you when you started this? I think the biggest challenge for any rescue anywhere in the world is funding, is finding yeah. enough food and enough shelter and enough everything to fosters and yes, yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, and my, my initial challenge was just finding enough food because it was before the days of social media. So no one really knew that it was really hard to contact people if you needed help or to ask for help. Yeah, but I bet. You know, with, with the advent of social media, it's been very, very, very helpful. I have huge support from the community now. And, and I have a good presence on Facebook for both the rescue and for myself. And so if I need something, I just ask and I, I get blessed with lots of help. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, uh, you know, Everywhere in the world, weather is, well, weather's a challenge, but it's a different challenge. I mean, here we get minus 50 in the winter. So obviously getting dogs anywhere or getting them out or they die and even just walking them, it's, you know, a challenge for rescues. Uh, for yours, I guess, maybe the rainy season? The rainy season and hurricane season. And it looks like this hurricane season is going to be a big one. So we have to make, yeah, I have to make sure that all of the dogs have strong enough shelter during a big blow that it's not going to, the roof's not going to come off and the concrete structures are good. For instance, our hurricanes come from the east. So all of the structures that I built have a solid wall facing east to protect from that type of storm. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So a lot, of, a lot of the things that I need now later in the rescue are I need financial underwriting for new buildings or new roofs or uh, maintenance or just general general upkeep yeah yeah and you have your cat shelter too right <clears throat> yeah and it also yeah. and facing chica do you have help with the dogs i do when we have tourists here which we haven't had since march but when we have tourists here i have a lot of tourists that come out and and donate a day and love to be with the dogs and the dogs love to see them. And I have a worker that I pay that comes every other day that helps with cleanup and sweeping and picking poo and providing water for the dogs because I provide purified water for all the dogs. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, he helps me in that way. Right, for, the, for the drinking water because they, they can't, they can bathe in the regular water, but 
Yes, we all use the, the regular, we're on a well system out here in this area. Mm, mm. The rest of the city is on, on a regular sewage system and, and piped in water. But we have wells and the water here, because it's, it's underground river water and everybody's waste goes into that through the limestone cap, um, our, our water here is fairly contaminated. So the right. dogs, when I first came here, were being sick, having diarrhea and vomiting, and I didn't know why. But as soon as I changed them to purified water, that went away. Interesting. So good for you. Yeah. Very interesting and such a simple solution. Yes, turned out to be. Right. Yeah. Not yeah. exactly simple, but certainly straightforward. Logical. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it was a good change. So how do you uh, get these dogs good homes? I mean, I guess this goes back a little bit to what we were talking about briefly on getting them to Canada. I'm sure that's a, a big help or? It's a huge help. It's a huge help because the four major airlines that go to Canada from here all take dogs as cargo or in-cabin freight. So it's wonderful. Sending dogs to the States is a real problem because only one airline will take them in cargo. And I seldom have a dog that will, is small enough to go in cabin. So out of curiosity, what airline is that? It's American. Oh, American we love American. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so coming into Canada, uh, how, how do you do that? Uh, do you want to explain how you do? I mean, I, I've brought an, quite a few from Mexico and, and David has and, and, uh, so we know the, the process, but uh, mm -hmm. go ahead and explain it on your end, what you do to get them all and, and ready to Very go. strict. Okay. Oops. I think you, are you there? I'm here. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> right. uh, Canada has a pretty strict protocol and they're very careful about what comes into Canada. And if it's not, vetted properly or if there's something wrong with the paperwork they can confiscate the dog so we're very careful about how we do it i work with a couple of rescues in toronto and i work with some individuals and a rescue in calgary and many times people will come here from other parts of canada and take dogs back so we we have to completely vet the dog to do blood tests to make sure it has vaccines up to date, rabies particularly. Um, I just assure that the dog is totally healthy because I don't want to send any sick dogs to Canada. That's not good for my reputation. Yeah. So, yeah. And sometimes that's hard to tell, but, but uh, it's certainly, you have a great vet there, right? Yes, I have a wonderful vet and she's really great, good with working with rescues and I couldn't do it without her. She, she calls me when she has people who, for instance, need help, but don't have a lot of money. And I try to raise money for them to, to take care of their dog or their cat. Um, we just had a cat who had a blown out eye the other day that I had to find money for. So it's, Good for it's you. all kinds of problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good for you. And if people happen to be in Puerto Morelos, can they uh, drop things off at that vet clinic or how does that work? Yeah. Yes, they can bring them out here in the Zona Urbana where I am, or they can drop them at her clinic, and I'm happy to make arrangements for people to do that. It, she's closer into town than I am. I'm kind of far out. 
Right. Okay. So I'll put that info on my notes as well. And, and those uh, rescue organizations in Toronto, uh, which ones are those? Yes, I've worked with Dibs. Um, I've worked, I'm currently working with Canine Haven Rescue. Um, I've worked with uh, Misty Creek in Calgary through Heather Stewart here and with a number of individuals in Calgary. And then, of course, people from all over other parts of, of Canada as well, Thunder Bay and various, various places, Vancouver, Vancouver Island. I have one dog right now who's on Vancouver Island and having a great time. I bet. I bet. I lived there for a few years. Yeah, that's great. That's beautiful. <laughs> lots of great hiking for those dogs there. Yeah, that's awesome. And lots of off-leash areas. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. The woman who adopted him wanted a small dog that she could hike with. And this was a dog who had come, had been left by his owner with a neighbor and disappeared. Mm. And the neighbor could feed him, called some other neighbors. They, they called me. The dog was an Akita mix, smart as could be, beautiful dog. And when she was looking for a small dog to hike with, I sent her pictures of three small dogs and this big dog named Rush. And she picked him. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's it's great. people think they know what they want, but then when the right one comes along, it's, it's a beautiful match. Yep. And he yeah. was a perfect dog for her. He's a great dog. Oh, that's yeah. really great. That's really good to hear. Yeah. Okay. Now, Chica, we've come to our tail end. Our tail end question. Can you share with us a life lesson or inspirational message given to you by an animal? I gave a lot of thought to this. And I, I think it's probably been, re, it's a life lesson for me, but it's, a, it's been reinforced by working with these animals. And that is, whatever you do for them or whatever you do with them, do your best. And even if you have limited resources, which we have a lot of limited resources here in Mexico, just do your best with what you can, because it's all going to be okay. Even if the dog, for instance, doesn't make it, you can talk to that dog and you can, they'll, they will tell you, you yes. that you're doing your best and that's okay for them. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Dogs, dogs are wonderful that way. And sometimes it is sad, but true, but they just, they don't want to die on the street. And when they, they find love and someone like yourself and then they're just at peace and content and they go, but they'll let you know. And, and it's okay. And sometimes they pull through. A lot of times. Okay too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot you of know? times they yeah, pull through. There's yeah. a lot, a lot of happy endings. Oh yeah. Yeah. There Which is, you know, I guess why you keep doing what you what you do because it is making a huge difference and it's really helpful and changed the lives for a lot of dogs and people. And thank you for doing that. What you well, do. I hope it does. I hope it does. Oh, it does. Big difference. Yeah. No. Absolutely, it does. Yeah, we were really impressed and really glad to to know you. And thank you so much for sharing all this uh, with with the listeners. We really appreciate it and taking time out of your busy busy day and busy life. 
Well, thank you for this opportunity. I'm happy to have visitors. So anytime anyone is in Puerto Morelos, they need to contact me on Facebook and make arrangements to come out and visit. Okay. Do you want to share it? Your Facebook is Chica Curtis, is it? They can contact me at Chica Curtis, or they can also contact me at Puerto Morelos Cause for Pause. And the four part has a number four in it, Cause Number Four Pause. Perfect. And again, all of that will be in my show notes and also on my website. And there'll be pictures on my website too. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Thanks. Yes. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Chica. Take care, Chica. Bye. Bye-bye. After each of the upcoming interviews, I'm going to talk about a related topic. In this interview, we briefly touched upon the ability for these dogs to adapt to a new environment. I talk uh, quite a bit about this in my book. So Chica is getting these dogs right off the street. Chica's situation with multiple dogs in her rescue is different than bringing in one dog into a home. So what we want to think about and realize, especially uh, as the person fostering or adopting these dogs, is that they have had some amount of time being fed and getting direction and, and learning prior to coming to their home in Canada. What works with Chica may not work in the new home environment. This is why I talk about transferable skills. The word no is effective for Chica because of the way the dogs perceive her and the environment, but it is not always effective in a home environment, especially after the honeymoon period. Many of my clients have adopted dogs who were in foster homes, and they try the positive and negative reinforcement, and it fails, yet it was successful in that first home, in the foster home. Teaching house rules and right from wrong and building trust and a bond is most effectively achieved when we build the platform using command-based exercises that provide the dog with calm, clear direction. These also change the dog's perception of my client, the adopter. The dog realizes that my client has the ability to teach them right from wrong and knows what they want and knows how to calmly and effectively work with them. These skills can be taught by the first foster or simply started in the new home. I created this formula on how to teach and apply these skills from working with hundreds of rescued dogs and having them live right with me in my 400 square foot home, often 10 to 12 at a time for years, decades. When homing these dogs, it is of course important to home them in an environment that is suited to the dog, but the transferable skills in the form of command-based exercises make it easy for the adopters and easy for the dog to learn and to adapt to the new environment. Thank you again for your support and interest. If you are happy with this podcast, please leave a rating and or a review. If you have questions, please contact me at billy at upperdogology.com. Please follow me on Instagram, upperdogology, and on LinkedIn, Billy Grimm. For more information on me and my learning journey, you can tune into the podcast series, The Entrepreneur Way with Neil Ball. I'm a guest on episode 1595. You can also find this information in my book, and you can find the links in the show notes. Links to the organizations talked about in this episode are also in the show notes, and pictures are on my website, www.upwarddogology.com. Thanks again to the Jeff Murdoch Band for the intro and outro music. Enjoy your learning journey. Upward.